Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge, and I'm very, very excited to have our guest here today, Karen Kopp. Uh, If you're not familiar with Karen, haven't read her books, haven't watched the course at Growth Institute, she has been dubbed the chief door opener because she gets her clients in the door with her prospects. Her door opener service has helped thousands of business leaders and salespeople secure initial meetings with executives in almost every major company, including GE, Pfizer, uh, Procter & Gamble, Verizon, AT&T, Target, CBS, and many more. She is a best-selling author, a nationally recognized speaker, and an expert in business development who can be seen in Inc., Fortune Magazine, Forbes, Newsweek, and of course, as a Growth Institute thought leader on the topic of business development. So Karen, welcome back to Conversations at the Edge. I think it's a very timely um, conversation to be having about business development. Where are you calling in from today? Today, I'm right on the ocean in Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, Florida, where we spend about eight months of our time. So I want to jump in. Um, you know, today, I, I mean, I know when people are calling me and sending me emails, it's like incredibly easy to just ignore sales outreach. And for business development people and salespeople, that's like the most exhausting part is just the constant no answer and the grind of like, how are we going to get somebody to just tell us they're interested or not interested in having a conversation. So I'm curious if you found ways to get to that point of like, uh, yes, no, we're going to move forward or not a little bit faster. Yeah. So this is really important because not as many trade shows, in-person networking and conferences are, are happening, not as many as before the pandemic anyway, although some of them have come back. But a lot of the decision makers now know that they can learn what they need to learn about the options of what, what they need to buy by sitting in their offices. So it's really important that sellers cross this hurdle and get comfortable with this. So a, a couple of things we've talked in the past about the five planks of door opening success. If you remember that, there was a whole conversations about that, that you guys have uh, recorded at the Growth Institute that I would refer people to, very important. But when you say it's the grind and it's difficult and all of that, well, that's actually one of the planks is having the right person doing that work. And so the right person doing that work, I was on a call the other day with one of our door openers and I heard her tell a client, I don't have to make phone calls. I get to make phone calls. So it's a very different kind of person who totally embraces this and loves this part of the job. It's okay if you don't reach somebody on the first try, second try, third try, eighth try. Like that's okay. There are still parts, points to be communicated that will be really important to the decision maker. So if we think about what are some of the other planks that are at play here, well, it's the right target. You asked me, what do we do in order to get these meetings sooner and to get these conversations sooner? Well, the first thing is make sure you're contacting people who would be grateful to know about you. What about that? I mean, take a look at this wide world of prospects and see if you could narrow it and focus on groups of prospects who are going to be glad to hear from you, appreciate it, 
find you to be an obvious solution when they hear about you. They say, I can't believe I didn't know about you six months ago. When can we have our first conversation? So if the prospects who are on your list don't meet those qualifications, it's time to take a look at those, those prospects and shave the list, narrow your focus. The other, another plank is the right message. This is not about marketing messaging. This is about sales messaging. What do you say in the spoken word one-to-one -one, when you leave somebody a voicemail or you get them on the phone or you're sending them an email? Is it strong enough to make a difference? A lot of times I see emails, Alex, you get them too. They're, like, they're pages and pages long. Nobody's going to read that. Nobody's going to read that at all. So are, is your sales message communicating why the prospect should engage with you in conversation? Third plank is about the objections. They're going to have objections and you better be prepared to answer them. In some cases, you may want to take a look at your sales messaging and make sure that you're answering the objection before you actually get it. And that's, that's helpful. The last part is the execution. So that's the fifth plank is the right execution. A lot of people give up, Alex, after the, the third try or the fifth try. That's not enough. Our data shows between eight and 12 well done touch points to the right prospects before you have a disposition. If you don't know someone, when you have a disposition, are they ready for the meeting? Are they not yet ready? And if they're not yet ready, what are you doing to keep them engaged and interested? So you can't say the same thing more than once. So what are you doing to deepen your relationship even before you have your first meeting? So when you're using all of those tactics, it's it's that is the way to get these doors open. Also, Alex, I find that people who are tasked with the responsibility of engaging prospects don't spend enough time to make a difference. So I'll ask them, how much time do you spend on just this part of sales? And if they're honest, they'll say, oh, maybe two hours a week or three hours a week. And then the next week, they might not spend any time at all. That's not enough. There needs to be consistency with this approach and to deepen the relationship over time so that you are getting these prospects engaged in conversation. If they feel it's a benefit to them, they are going to say yes. If they don't understand what you're talking about, they'll probably won't reply. But Karen, you mentioned um, good quality touch points. What makes a good quality touch point versus a not good quality touch point? That's a, that's a great question because there's so much of this going around that isn't good. I mean, one of the things that happens when I give my, my seminars to the business leaders is I'll say to them, if somebody doesn't know you and wants a meeting with you, what's it going to take? Why would you say yes to something like that? And they say all the things that are right, all the things that we do, that if you have to call somebody who really would be glad to hear from you, as I said before. You have to say something that's meaningful, not just to the persona, that's a marketing term, but to the person, to the individual. Help them understand why this is so important. And don't give up if they don't ask you, answer you after the first couple of tries. And then I say to them, okay, this is what it's going to take to get a meeting with you. Now tell me what you're doing and your sales team is doing to get meetings with others. And then they start laughing because they're not 
doing it like this and and yet it can be done like that so when we're putting together a door opener program for our clients where our senior level business developers represent our clients as if they were a member of the client's team and they engage prospects and get the meetings to set that up we're creating prospect groupings but narrow prospect groupings and sales language that would be meaningful to that group of prospects. For example, if you have, let's say, a, a group of prospects or right geography, a certain industry, um, the size of company and all that other good stuff that most people normally do, what can you do to add layers? Is it that a, a company may feel more urgency if they have a CEO in place for a year or less? And so they're thinking about changes and maybe that CEO has hired a direct report who's been in place for a year or less. So they're thinking about changes and they're making changes. And if that situation exists and then let's say they have a certain technology, now they're more likely to be closer to the time that they need with some urgency to look at other solutions. And then the sales messaging will be a slam dunk against that situation that exists. We like to look for trigger moments. What is affecting your prospect group's revenue? What's affecting their labor pool? What's affecting uh, their supply chain? There's so much going on with that right now that you can choose to say, this is what we do and we'd like to meet with you. Or you can say, if you're facing this situation, you likely need a conversation about X, and this is why we're contacting you. He, and then you, you say that in a voicemail, and then you say it in a very succinct email that's not hokey, please let the hokiness go away. Just be real with people, and because they have real issues that they need to solve. And if you communicate that way, they are more likely to say yes. That's an example. The, Offering and target and uh, message have to work hand in hand. Then when the door opener, so when we create the door opener program in the beginning, we have the target, the message, we have the answers for objections already laid out. And then the door opener basically internalizes this messaging so that when they reach out to the prospects and get them live, it's go time. And you can't call that prospect back and say, hey, you know how we had that conversation? Yeah, I really didn't mean it like that. Let's try again. You get one shot at getting this right. And so it's really important that the salespeople understand what the messaging is. Then when they start contacting the prospects, they need to research the individual, the company, the situation, the industry, and then further personalize that message so the prospect knows this didn't go to 999 other people that's a marketing initiative this is a sales initiative you're talking about the person why would it be the best decision that person can make all week to say yes to you for a meeting and that's when you know that you're ready to to approach a prospect um but karen on that point, you know, you said sometimes your best sellers aren't always doing it right and you can change it six months later if you have a, a better messaging. How do you go about like split testing and improving parts of the sales playbook in a way that's like reliable and productive rather than just like say, hey, let's try this one day, let's try this one day. And you right. never have any like real data behind whether or not this works better than that. Most of the time when I see people with the idea of testing, 
not get the data that they want to get. It's because they didn't minimize the number of variables which change. So if you want to really understand if your sales messaging is working out there, you need to minimize the variable that the salesperson is not doing a good job on execution or that they're only uh, doing emails and they're not doing uh, anything to do with conversation or voicemail or live dialogue. Uh, so because if you don't minimize that, then you don't know if the message is working because the execution may not be right. So the, it's the person, the execution has to be right, and that you have a uniform or as uniform as it can be target group. And that way you can isolate when you change the messaging, which messaging is working and it's not being uh, <clears throat> affected by the fact that there are other variables. Once you have that done, then you can uh, look at different messages, but I recommend using your CRM to help you with that because otherwise it's just a feeling. Did, did this work? Did this not work? And not necessarily data. We prefer data. So you can take a look at which message is delivering and pull reports as long as your CRM is set up to do that and your sellers are using the CRM properly so that the reports you get are usable and actionable. So obviously, you know, a lot of sellers and buyers are worried about inflation. Um, I'm curious if you've seen inflation bring any positive change or advancement in the sales world rather than just like anxiety and people not wanting to buy things. Yeah, well, it's it's been a lot of that and it's been a lot of anxiety for on the seller's part about how are they going to make their money when buyers aren't necessarily buying. So the positive changes that I've seen really twofold, one is that they're, the, the sellers and the leaders that are really in tune with this are doing a much better job thinking about the buyer's journey. Like what is it that's going to help that buyer say yes, which has a lot to do with some of the strategic elements that I talked about before, like focusing on, on the right target, using the right sales language, making sure that you're not giving up after the third try, uh, those kinds of things. But then it's also uh, made leaders be much more strategic about how they're deploying their resources. If they recognize that their seller's time is better spent on closing deals, then they need more opportunities in the top of the funnel they are looking at different options to help their sellers be able to close more. And one of those options is to outsource to a, a high-level business development team like our, our door openers who will put more opportunities in the top of the funnel so our clients can close more business. So I find leaders more open to how can we do this differently so that we can still achieve the numbers and the goals that management has while knowing that it's going to be harder out there to reach the right buyers. Interesting. Thank you. Um, so I'm curious, you know, on the talent side, um, for, for leaders who are trying to attract and retain salespeople in this environment today, what are you seeing as some ways to encourage longevity and retention in a field as difficult to succeed in as sales? Do you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? Remember yep. that movie? And do you remember that scene where he's like, show me the money? 
right? It's, it's show them the money, make it easier for your salespeople to sell more. How do you do that? Well, one of the things that we do that when we're interviewing our door openers, they're like, I can't believe this situation exists, is that our sale, our door openers don't need to create their own prospect list. We have a research team that does that. They love doing that. We give them the research to, team the right tools so that by the time the door openers are starting to reach out to prospects, they don't have to look up an email address. It's already there. They don't have to know if the phone numbers are right or if the person whose name is on the list is the right person. That's all been verified by a research team and it's loaded in Salesforce. They don't have to do that at all. They just have to concentrate on what they're really good at. They also get the messaging themes and the answers for the objections. So a lot of the thinking has been done for them and now they just concentrate on what they can do best which is the outreach and getting the, the prospects on the phone and having these conversations that produce these meetings. The more your best sellers can sell versus creating a prospect list or uh, creating reports for management, right? Do, do, doesn't management love to ask for lots of reports? Well, I know one company where they ask for a report every once in a while that takes the seller five hours to put together. Are you telling me that there's nobody else in the company who can download that report out of Salesforce and manipulate some of the data? Why would you take your great sellers and have them generate reports? If you tell them that they're going to be able to spend their time making sure that they're filling the top of their funnel, they're moving people from mid to bottom of funnel, that they can close more deals because they don't have to worry about this, they're going to find this to be a much better environment. Show them the money. Show them how easy it is for them to make money in your organization and they're going to stay. Before we go, any last thoughts or recommendations for the community on boosting sales uh, in the end of this year and then into 2023? Yes. Well, first of all, make use of the end of the year because uh, there's a lot of really good selling to be done and your competition doesn't think so. So if you're out there, uh, your competition likely is not. But one of the things you can do at the end of November through December is to ask for first of the year meetings, which are usually wide open on a prospect's calendar. So don't forget to ask for those. We do really well in through December in getting those early January meetings. The other thing is take a look at what didn't work for you this year. If you didn't get as many meetings as you thought you should, why is that? You can always contact me. I'm happy to talk it through with you and give you some ideas on what you can do next year. If you didn't have as many closes, why not? Were you not talking to the right people? What, what exactly happened there? So that next year, as you come out of the gate, you're going to have what you need to make the numbers that you want, as even though it might be a changing and challenging economy. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates, or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again, and see you next time.